This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report with Rolene Marks. Rolene Marks, a very good morning to you. How are you? A very, very good morning to you too. And if you hear the pitter-patter of little paws, mm. I have a lovely little Dashwant that is keeping me company this morning and he's running up and down. Yeah, as Dashwants tend to do. That's absolutely awesome. Well, you know, we are very, very open uh, to have, uh, you know, words of wisdom as well. So, uh, you know, from a Dashwant, let's talk about this Women's March in uh, in Israel. It, it's... I, I can't quite get my head around it. Tell us what happened. Well, this has been brewing for a couple of weeks. Uh, we have started to see in the last year uh, a serious erosion of women's rights in Israel. It is a huge, huge concern here. Uh, you know, it, it starts with seeing a notable lack of representation in the government. While there are women and some in key portfolios in the current government, it is markedly less than it was in previous administrations. Uh, we've also had issues like the Committee for the Status of Women, which looks after issues around gender-based violence, gender parity, uh, and, and other major uh, um, issues that relate specifically to women, moved from where it was sitting under uh, one committee in the in the Knesset under now the governorship of uh, May Golan, who is Haredi and who seen not to be um, so supportive of uh, women's rights or so liberal. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, we had the major women's organizations across the country, including ultra-Orthodox women's organizations, Arab women's organizations, Naamat, um, Witsa, and others joining together to express their alarm in what uh, we see as a, a knock on the rights of women. And then, of course, we've had in the last couple of weeks a lot of issues taking place on several buses. We've had some buses saying they're not allowing women on and not just in Haredi areas where this has come to be expected. We had a situation in Ashdod a couple of weeks ago where a 14-year-old girl and a friend, now bearing in mind it is peak summer in Israel, it's extremely, extremely hot, dressed in a pair of shorts and a tank top. And looking at the way that she was dressed was not unlike how teenage girls around the world dress mm -hmm. in the middle of summer. They were told they were not allowed on the bus until they changed their clothing. Now, the 14-year-old girl is suing the bus driver and the bus um, line, but uh, it's incomprehensible that in 2023, now nearly 2024, we have seen women's rights 
um, starting to erode in a country where we have prided ourselves on having such uh, uh, progressive well, this is what I wanted and to, leading rights. Yeah. What I find so strange about this, I mean, ironically, it's today that the movie Golda is being released here in South Africa, uh, Israel being one of the first and most progressive countries in terms of women in leadership. Certainly, when we look at the history and how women were involved in the um, in, in, in the state, when we see positions in terms of political leaders, uh, the army. We, 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 Israel is, is, has always, by action, been one of the most, and I hate to use the word progressive because it's such a terrible word when it comes to something that shouldn't have been an issue in the first place, but, uh, but one of the most um, non-gender focused environments in terms of business and, and all sorts of politics and all sorts of other areas is this does these do these flare-ups reflect a change in attitude in israel or is it is it just a a focus on different hotspots because the reality is that not a lot has changed in terms of women now being discriminated against they're not really. I mean, yes, you're having these incidents, but on on a um, on a real level, are we seeing it? We are starting to see it. You know, the the key issue, and this is why women took to the streets of B'nai Brak last night uh, to march, and and uh, there were some ultra orthodox women who also joined mm, in the mm. march as well. The reason that uh, women are so concerned is there is a feeling that uh, should some of these judicial clauses be passed in their current iteration, and I'm stressing, in their current iteration, mm -hmm. we will see minority rights like women's rights be uh, eroded as more and more power is given to the, the, the ultra-Orthodox. I, I found it absolutely fascinating that we are seeing pushback from ultra-Orthodox women because they are scared of what could possibly be coming down the pike. Uh, the other issue is we do have, and I know that some listeners don't like to hear this, we do have many feeling emboldened by the more extreme elements in the government that, uh, that is almost giving a green light to this kind of, of behavior. Uh, and, and because there is so much focus in other areas right now, security, fighting terror, dealing with uh, the huge divisions in Israeli society at the moment, women's rights are, are falling through the cracks. So now you are seeing the women of the country uh, starting to take to the streets to say, we're not going to take this. Absolutely incredible. And it's just, I, I keep trying to understand, you know, zoom out a little bit and try to understand what is really going on there. Has the judicial reform one, uh, sparked this feeling of, you know, or the ability really to look critical and to introspect and therefore all of these issues that might have been ignored until now are coming to the fore. We've seen it with, with a lot of the Ethiopian community protesting. We're seeing women protesting. We're seeing a, an enormous amount of vocalization of concerns. And I just wonder if, 
and, and I guess maybe I didn't put the question well uh, I, before, but maybe what I'm trying to ask is, is it fundamentally different or is there now the ability and the voice and the courage maybe to address some of those difficult things that haven't been addressed in the past? Because the Ethiopian issue is, is, is another example of it. I love this question so much. Uh, I really, really do. Uh, and I'm going to answer it in two parts. First mm-hmm. of all, I think Israel is showing the world something quite magnificent right now. We are showing that we, are, we can take to the streets every single one of us, whether you're pro-reform, anti-reform, whatever side, we are united by love for this country and by our beautiful blue and white Israeli flag. And we are doing it without looting, without destruction of property. Uh, and while there have been very, very small incidents of violence, that is not the general feeling mm. on either side of the protest. So there's that. Uh, but there's also something, and, and, and I'm inspired by a webinar I watched hosted by you this week, Howard, mm-hmm. where you spoke to Robbie Brosen and, and he spoke about South Africa's uh, road to the Constitution and, and that and how difficult it was. And it was rocked with uh, a lot of unrest. And because, um, contrary to what we declared in 1947 and 1948, that we would have a constitution by the 1st of October 1948 and 75 years later we still don't have that document, mm. maybe this now is the catalyst to spark Israel's um, march towards a constitution. Well, it certainly sounds like it, and it certainly sounds like that is what is missing. How it gets put together, of course, is going to be the challenge. But uh, but it certainly does sound like this is something that is absolutely desperately needed. Can we talk about? Uh, well, uh, I was do you imagine yeah. all those Jewish lawyers oh, in one God. room trying to. Uh, uh, yeah, I actually yeah, it's it, it's yeah. Maybe we'll stop reporting for that uh, for for the fifteen years that it'll take to get that done. Uh, let's talk about an, on one of the uh, we had breaking news the other day, uh, but then we left studio afterwards. The this deadly landslide that took place uh, in uh, near the Dead Sea. What is uh, what is the latest on that? What caused it? What is that story about? Well, this is a horrific story where an eight-year-old little boy was killed uh, by a landslide which sent rocks falling down and about eight others uh, from the same family were injured as well. And there's a real fear that uh, with the climate changing and, and we know that the Middle East is one of the most affected regions in the world. I know that there are many climate skeptics out there, uh, but the general belief with scientists is that there is a climate change in the Middle East and it is affecting uh, areas and, and one of the areas that is being affected as a result is Yamamela, is the Dead Sea and it is shrinking in size. It, uh, it is evaporating and there are real concerns that as that happens um, this will give uh, rise or this will give way to further landslides that are, are proving to be uh, extremely deadly. So it is a real concern. And also, you know, this time of the year, um, as we start to allegedly approach winter, 
you know, you could be fooled in Israel that it is so hot at the moment. When we start to have uh, heavy rainfall, we have those flash floods. Mm. So areas like this, summer or winter, uh, can can turn in an instant into something deadly. Very, very scary. Is there a way, is, is there a move to try and keep people safer, a warning? Is there a way to have an early warning system on this? Well, that's a great question because I think that uh, Israel's uh, safety and rescue services are definitely going to look at this uh, very, very closely now. Um, I, I think that this has been a, an alarm to action. And we're certainly not going to want any more um, harmful and deadly incidents in that area uh, to happen again. We don't want anybody harmed or, God forbid, killed. Uh, and, and also, it is um, an area, part of the country, that sees a fortune of tourist traffic. So we've got to consider that uh, you know, we've got to keep our tourists safe. So I think they will definitely be looking at this and looking at ways to ensure that people are kept even more safe now mm. from what we know is a, a, a horrible environmental catastrophe. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, uh, and a very, very real concern as well. The other subject, the final subject that uh, I wanted to talk about is Haley versus Ramaswamy. I find it very interesting that on the first presidential debate with Republicans, Israel becomes a the front and center of the discussion. Part of me feels that Ramaswamy did this on purpose to pull Nikki Haley into a singular issue um, a representative I think he's going to be doing that the whole way through I think he's quite smart But what does this really mean? Who is he and what's his view on Israel? The fact that he's suggesting that, is, uh, that The United States should not be financially supporting Israel Well, Haley came out swinging She did indeed uh, You know, never underestimate Nikki Haley uh, Who I, I think is many of our favourites for the uh, Republican nomination. Uh, and also, I think, uh, woe betide the candidate that underestimates Nikki Haley. Uh, you know, I think that there is an element of kind of patting her on the head and saying, you know, you, uh, yes, you were a governor, but, and you went to the UN, and you, you're very known for, for defending Israel. And I think you're right, Howard. I think uh, that there will be a propensity to try and pull her into an one-issue Candidate, but she is a very, very smart lady, and I think, uh, gentlemen, underestimate her at your peril. She has been underestimated by many throughout her career and has steadily proven them wrong every single time. And it takes a certain uh, backbone of steel in a fabulous pair of shoes, Howard. I mean, you know, I do love me a pair of shoes mm-hmm. to uh, to. Um, stand in the most hostile environment in the world and that is the United Nations in its various agencies and stand there uh, almost um, alone and, and, and fight as hard as uh, she did. But uh, we also have to look at Vivek Ramaswamy. He's uh, no fool either and he has quite a, a mixed bag when it comes to, to Israel. You know, he he also came out this week saying maybe it's time for the U.S. to end its aid to Israel. And, and to be fair to him, it wasn't the only country 
that uh, um, you know he, he was speaking about. But of course, our interest is always going to be. Um, uh, but is it good for for the Jews? And or in this case, mm. is it good for the Jewish state? Uh, uh, but he's he's a mixed bag. You know, he's um, on on the one hand there's this, and on the one hand he he's uh, alluded to. Uh, censorship czars at Twitter or X or whatever it's mm, called, mm. Uh, and Jewish backers trying to, you know, fight anti-Semitism. But the way he's phrased it, you can kind of read trying to shut down uh, people's free speech, which is not the case. Uh, ask any Jew on Twitter uh, these days. Every single one of us has a story. But on the other hand, he was a, a member of... Um, Shabtai, which was a secret society at Yale University. I mean, when you talk about Yale, uh, you know, these secret societies, I think of like one of these weird movies where you, you know, you swing a beaver around your head or something. Mm. Uh, and he's also yeah. accused President Zelensky of, of mistreating Jews. So he's a mixed bag when it comes to issues on Jews in Israel. Yeah, it is going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting indeed to watch. Raleen Marks, thank you as always. It is 8.01. Wishing you a fantastic weekend. A Shabbat Shalom. And we will catch you next week. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com.